It's Thursday, March 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, it's not Joe Mager. I know I said that yesterday, and we'll get to that in a second, but it's Bill Barker from Motley Fool Asset Management. Thanks for, thanks for being here. It's a big disappointment to listen to the audience. <laughs> I don't know that it's a huge disappointment, but I, I did sort of make something of like, hey, it's Australia week, really just Wednesday and Thursday. With Scott Phillips yesterday, Joe Mager, and uh, let's just chalk it up to scheduling issues because that's actually what it was. Yeah. But here's the good news. Joe is too busy. Joe's a busy man. But here's the good news. Joe Mager will be our guest on Motley Fool Money this week. So you will get your full compliment of Uncle Joe Mager. It'll a full ju- hour. Well, no, no. We're not <laughs> we're not giving the full hour to Joe. <laughs> I mean, I love Joe, but we're not giving him the full hour. No, no, no. But but you'll you'll get your your fill of Joe Mager on Motley Fool Money this weekend. Uh, but you know what? Let's get to some news. We got retail news. We've got we've got some disappointing news, depending on which companies you own shares of. And we'll we'll get into the Academy Awards a little bit. But let's let's start with the retail. And Best Buy and Kohl's put up. Help me understand this. They both put up strong fourth quarters. They both put up numbers that were better than expected. But in terms of the stocks, Best Buy is having a good day. Kohl's is down. And I know that Kohl's has had a pretty decent run of late, so maybe Kohl's was just overheated as a stock. But but these were good holidays for these two companies. Yeah, I think you did point out that when you're looking at the one-day movement of a stock, then you need to at least know what happened before today in terms of the stock price. And I think Kohl's is up. 60% over the last year, 20-some percent going into today. And they were good numbers, you're right. And uh, the portion that the market is probably most reacting to from a negative light is the forward guidance, because although the holidays were kind and provided uh, 6 6% uh, comps, I think, uh, the forward guidance is sort of more around 2% for the year okay. uh, in terms of comps and in terms of, uh, I think, total sales, negative two to up two, so call it flat. Uh, so that's different uh, than I think people were expecting going into the report. You look at Best Buy, their same store sales much higher than expected, and the stock doing well there. I know that we've talked throughout the length of this show, starting back in January of 2011, about Sears being an incredibly troubled bricks-and-mortar traditional retailer. And it remains that today. But I would say, other than the fact that Sears is still technically in business, one of the most surprising things in retail, to me, is the turnaround of Best Buy, and the fact that it continues to thrive. Yeah, they've done a very good job um, regarding, you know, the portion that is the the more mall-based business. They did announce today that they are closing uh, 250 of their all uh, 250 of their small mobile phone stores, and those are the sort of more not not quite kiosk size, but I guess small. 
uh, mall-based uh, things are not like the uh, significantly larger full-service Best Buys, which are around 40,000 square feet. These are more on the 1,000 to 1,500 square feet. And so, they're getting out of that business, uh, in part, I think, because of mall traffic, uh, which is a theme which has come up many, many, many times in the, in the last year, particularly, and is going to continue to be a theme, I think. And their standalone stores uh, are doing better, and they have done, just from management uh, directive on down, a uh, much better job than than one would have feared uh, it would be the case. Uh, not a great holiday for every retailer, particularly mall-based retailers, when you look at L Brands today, which is the parent company of Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works, shares down about 11%. And that, I, I, don't, I don't know where they go. I, I, I don't know to what extent they can just completely exit malls. Although on the surface, if that if that's not an idea that they're considering strongly, maybe it should be to the extent to the extent that they can really push an online presence, particularly with Bath and Body Works. Yeah, it has been tough, and for the last couple of years, and one thinks back to the departure a couple of years ago of Sharon Jester Turney, I believe, was the CEO of the Victoria's Secret brand, not the whole company, but she left just about two years ago. And I've mentioned before on this program that if I were provided one superpower, it would be the ability to leave at the right time. And that you could leave, you know, a conversation, a party, a stock, a podcast, a podcast, a job to stop listening. And and if you had that, like anybody still listening now, lacks that superpower, or they would have stopped listening to the podcast by now. But she seems to have it because she left two years ago. Stock has been cut in half since then. It was at basically an all-time high um, when her departure was announced, and it has been either she saw uh, much of what was coming, or you know something else. Uh, But she left for the proverbial spent time with the family, and um, I'm sure she has enjoyed her time with her family more than she would have enjoyed these last two years. What do you think? The move is for this company because they have several brands under the umbrella, uh, and there's some amount of value there. I'm just not sure entirely what it is. They also own Pink, uh, which is, I think, uh, sort of youth apparel. Yeah, uh, you know, it's still a profitable. It's still a very profitable business. Uh, they've got a very significant brand power. They can continue to increase their online sales. But they are largely uh, going to be controlled by mall traffic, and in, in terms of their profitability, they're you know roughly the same profitability today that they were five six years ago, uh, and I don't know that they they announced today in part what has brought the stock down is the. Uh, announcement that they are going to uh, increase wages, which is something that is also affecting a lot of retailers. While the traffic is declining, uh, people are in this job market able to demand higher wages and are doing so. And Victoria's Secret, I think, has put a hundred million behind uh, what they say they're they're going to do. But even with uh, a very significant tax cut. Uh, they are going to be less profitable um, this coming this year than, than they were last year and the year before. Bath and Body Works. I just went to the 
website and on the main page, one of the candles that they're promoting uh, the scent is blue citrus. What do you think is going on there? I mean, I get the citrus part. Are th- are there any blue citrus fruits? I don't think there are. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, the, the only blue flavor comes in, um, you know, like wa- water ice or um, the Slurpees or something. Right. Blue flavor. Blue. <laughs> Powerade, Gatorade now come in blue flavor as well. Really? That's just the flavor. The name of the flavor on the bottle is blue. You know that's what the flavor is. <laughs> You know, you know the the taste of blue flavor. It's not blueberry. No, it's, it's blue not. flavor. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It, and it's, it tastes it's, slightly of chemical. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's that's maybe they tested that and they said we tested the slightly of chemical and it didn't test well at all. Whereas blue, people like the color blue, and so that's we're we're gonna slap that on the label. Get a blue snow cone. Um, that's that's good eating. Well, when you're a kid, among other things, you get the benefit of your tongue turning blue, and that's always fun. That's great. That's, that's great. That's fun. I think even when you're an adult, less so, but <laughs> but still a little bit fun. Uh, here's here's a, a large dominant company that we rarely talk about, and that's WPP, which is the largest advertising agency in the world. Uh, it is smaller today because of their fourth quarter results, which were the worst that this behemoth has had since the financial crisis. And uh, WPP's uh, management came out and said, just to be clear, 2018 ain't going to be that great either. They basically said, we're, we're expecting things to be flat this year. And my first thought right out of the gate is that this is an ad agency that is too big. Because when you look at some of their competition and what competitors are forecasting for 2018, they're not dealing with the same type of troubles that WPP is. And and I get that there are a lot of different challenges in the advertising industry with all the different mediums that companies can place ads on, but isn't the obvious move here for them to get smaller? Well, the, them to get smaller in what we might call traditional advertising, and I think that uh, meaning TV ads to a large extent, which for the first time last year, I believe, were topped by digital spend uh, across all markets, and digital is going to be more than 50% of all ad spending uh, within two years if you. Uh, are reading your industry projections, and you know where where WPP's strength is. Of course, they've been around forever, and they've gobbled up uh, hundreds of of names around the world. Uh, and this is largely uh, entities that have been around are masters at the old model, and they have far less uh, of a competitive advantage, if any. In terms of um, digital advertising, and I mean, this is this is an industry that you know much better than I do, uh, and where it is going, and why, and what you expect out of it. Well, podcast advertising, for instance, uh, I mean, it's it's tens of thousands of dollars to get a a spot on your show, right? (laughs) Not not that much, no, no. Should be, but 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 here's what's interesting: with an audience like yours, I mean, with dozens of listeners, yeah, you're going to pay, you know, a little bit of money. Um, It's it's uh, it's. Let me put it this way: it's cheaper to advertise on Motley Fool podcast than it is to buy uh, a thirty second ad on any absolutely any broadcast television primetime network show. 
But but this comes. This is interesting because this comes against the backdrop of. I think it was NBC who came out and said that one of the things that they're going to be testing is reducing their ad load in primetime television, and basically saying we're going to reduce the number of ad minutes across our primetime lineup. When I was up in New York last fall for the the podcast Upfronts, which was put on by the IAB, the International Advertising Bureau, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Let's go with that. You can make up whatever you want right now. <laughs> the audience and I are just nodding. So, so one of the one of the data points that came out of that was uh, the audience is made up of 350, 400 people who are in the advertising world and media buyers and that sort of thing. And some of them were already involved in podcasts, and some of them were not. And so everyone gets up on stage uh, every. Podcast network gets up, gets maybe twenty minutes of time to sort of make a pitch, and and all the pitches are basically the same. And this happens in the television industry in July for a whole week, where the networks get you know three four hours, and whether it's the television upfronts or the podcast upfronts, they all go like this. Um, This is our network. This is who we are. This is what we do. Here's our programming. Um, here's why we love our programming. Here's our new programming that we're excited about. Here's the old programming that we're bringing back, and um, here's why audiences love our shows. And everybody goes through that. And what the um, one of the data points that came out of the podcast upfronts had to do with ad load, which is simply how many in a given hour of programming, how many minutes of ads are there, and. When it comes to rate, you know, just think about turning on the radio in your car to the extent that people are still spending lots of time listening to commercial radio in their car. It's anywhere from twelve to fifteen minutes of ads um, in broadcast television. It's, un- it's unbearable. I mean, once you get used to satellite or or podcast, terrestrial radio is just completely unbearable. I'm not going to disagree with that. I'm not trying to hype your your what your product. <laughs> Although we could, I could hype yours and you could hype mine. Uh, okay, we'll we'll do that All a little right. bit later. Your podcast is great, especially today. <laughs> um, even without Joe, even without uh, Joe, oh. yeah, we're bringing it down now. Oh no! Think of what it could have been. Oh, we've totally lost people now. Um, you had a point. Uh, the point was uh, in television. In a given hour of broadcast television programming, there's about 16 minutes of ads. So. Why are people who listen to podcasts um, more engaged in the ads? It's uh, in part because there are far fewer ads. In an hour of podcasts, there's about three minutes of ads. Yeah. So they're more memorable. And uh, so I, uh, I think WPP uh, is in for a really tough year. And I'll just go ahead and lump 2019 in there as well, just to bring it back to the to the stock at hand here, because. They not only have to figure out what they're going to be doing in digital, they have to deal with what has been their bread and butter for decades, television advertising. And if you think NBC is going to be the only network to test, let's go with fewer ads just to see how that works. Let's see if we can get more people watching our network and we'll do it with fewer ads. They're absolutely going to be other networks testing this. Yeah, well, I think you're right, and I think that uh, it is a challenge, and particularly as the money goes online, where I think the margins for an entity like WPP are significantly lower. 
um, you know, just as, as the dollars are are going there, one you could say, let's put all our our effort there. But I don't think they they can make the same margin on on that placement. No, uh, you know, because it's uh, and why is that exactly? Why are digital ads? Why is the the value that WPP has, and I assume it's got some entity that helps, you know, that that works on podcasts somewhere out of its hundreds of different agencies. Maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. Prop, prop. Well, who knows? Uh, we should know since we brought it up. <laughs> Can we get our intern to check on that? We we don't have an oh, intern. No. Um, no, it's interesting because so at it's just so it's it's just so much more affordable. Not to you know hype this, but it's more affordable right now at this moment anyway to put your product on a podcast, and therefore you know the third parties can't can't make as much money. Right. I mean, and first of all, you're you're putting your ad in in ultimately a smaller but more focused audience and and so when you're putting tide out there on you know uh, network TV it's a relevant ad for millions of people uh, and you can get it's always nice to be getting very very small bits off of a large audience uh, which is more of the TV uh, model that you you've got lots of people who are Looking at the product, and uh, whereas fewer people are looking at, they're listening to uh, products on podcasts, but the audience is much more likely to be uh, more narrowly tailored to what the content is around that product. Absolutely, and regardless of the medium, advertising has always been first and foremost about the the size of the audience. How many people am I going to reach with this ad? And if you're in the business of selling advertising, you get to go to Tide or a local car dealership or whoever and say, "Oh, if you advertise on our radio station, if you you know, this is how many ads it'll run. Here's the reach that you're going to have." That sort of thing, and so. With digital ads, part of it is also the comfort of the people who are that you're selling it to. They, you know, there's a comfort and with the familiarity of television and terrestrial radio, even though, as you call it, is it's unbearable. Well, and and Tide Tide doesn't care, for instance, that your audience may be, I don't know that it is, uh, maybe higher net worth. Because everybody uses the same amount of of laundry detergent, regardless, you know, more or less, regardless of whether they're in the top one percent or or not, and so that their medium needs to be the mass audience. And this is going away. This a lot of the consumer brands are cutting back on their ads, and we all know from watching TV, you see a lot of consumer brand products. Whether it's Frosted Flakes or Tide or things like that, and they are uh, suffering in competition to the generic uh, or private label. Nobody calls it generic anymore, but the private label store brands, uh, and and that is impacting WPP and you know to and, and the networks, of course. Do you remember when generics had? Uh just the they were they were literally white labels with just the word of the product on them in a grocery store. Like you'd just sure. be, you'd be going down the the canned vegetable aisle and it would just be oh you'd see Del Monte and you'd see these different things and there'd just literally be a white label that just says green beans canned vegetables. 
Um, we couldn't spring for any color. We're a good font. Exactly. And now you got fonts. You got oh, the Safeway branded whatever. Yeah. And they throw whatever the name of their Safeway brand is, and like oh, this this looks it's right next to the other thing, and it looks pretty similar, and it's it's cheaper. Why don't I get some of that this time? And Try with, that. And with Comic Sans. Everybody's yeah. favorite font. <laughs> um, the Academy Awards are on Sunday night, and I've talked before about uh, the the documentary, which did not get nominated for best documentary. Although I th- I thought it had sort of an outside shot um, that came out last year called Betting on Zero, which is uh, available on I think both Netflix and Amazon Prime. For anyone who's interested, it is I think a, a, a pretty fascinating documentary about Herbalife, and. Um, uh, and it's probably just as well that it was not nominated for an Academy Award because of the timing of today's news, uh, which is that Bill Ackman, activist, hedge fund billionaire, has completely exited his short of Herbalife. And th- the reason I say that's good timing for the makers of that movie is because now, now I think it's uh, uh, it's difficult to watch that movie knowing that Bill Ackman, who comes off. In that film, like a white knight in shining armor, because that's how despicable the people at Herbalife are, and how predatory they are with uh, trying to, get, you know, sort of get people involved in their business. If you didn't know anything about Bill Ackman before watching that film, you'd watch it and you'd think, "Oh my gosh, this guy's fantastic!" And uh, now comes the news that he's he's just out. Yeah, Herbalife. I, I'm not going to kick Bill Ackman in the teeth while he's he's already on the ground. Uh, it's been a, <laughs> is that what I just did? No, other people enjoy doing it though, no. uh, and and I think are there's a lot of uh, Schadenfreude out there, and um, I, I won't comment on whether he as uh, is deserving of that or not. But uh, in terms of Herbalife, I, I will say that I've been at some. Conferences and Herbalife is presented. I've never seen their you know twenty minute PowerPoint and then take questions from the audience of investors uh, type thing. But there are often tables of of swag out there or products and um, uh, Herbalife stuff. In my experience, either they have brought ten to fifteen times as much of it as everybody else does, or uh, people just don't want it. Does it come in the flavor blue? I have no, I like, have no idea what the, what is it that they supposedly sell. It's like health supplements, I think. Yeah, they had to change their their business model because the the, the United States federal government stopped just short of saying, yeah, you guys are totally a pyramid scheme. They stopped short of that. They didn't say that. No, I think their their stuff is more like in green packaging and it looks like healthy or something, right? I mean, they're so the blue flavor, which is more fun and popular, really, than uh, organic stuff, uh, is is probably not not part of that's a a market they could get into next. Uh, Anything? Are you going to be watching the Academy Awards? Anything you're rooting for? I've said before that uh, on this show, uh, we're in the tank in the best documentary category for Abacus. Uh, Steve James, who did Hoop Dreams, uh, directed the film Abacus, and that's nominated for Best Documentary. So that's that's who I'm rooting for, uh, and Coco, of course, because we've had uh, Steve May from from Pixar on, and uh, of course we're going to root for that. Am, am I watching? It's on Sunday night. Right? Sunday night, yeah. yeah. No, that's my birthday, so I assume there will be Sunday a su- night is your birthday surprise party well, Sunday. for me or something. I mean that this is all just throwing me off the scent, isn't it? Wow. Yes, it is. It was all just throwing you off the scent. Happy birthday in advance. 
Oh, well, thank you. Thank um, you. Uh, do you want to say how old you're going to turn on Sunday? I mean, assuming you make it to Sunday? Uh, not really. I mean, do, okay. do most do most want to go in after about the age of, I don't know. It starts with a five. Fifteen or so, do you? And you look fantastic. So, yeah. uh, so happy birthday. That's great. Um, a couple quick things before we wrap up. Uh, we, and by we, I, I mean me and, and producer Dan Boyd, not you. Sorry. Uh, we are going to be going to Austin, Texas for South by Southwest. I never get to go on the fun trips. Oh, we're going to get to your fun trip in a second. Believe me, you have a fun trip coming up. Uh, we're going to be in Austin, Texas for South by Southwest, and we are having a listener meetup on Monday, March 12th. So, if you are in the Austin, Texas area, drop an email to marketfoolery at fool.com. We will send you all the details. Monday, March 12th, uh, listener meetup, uh, happy hour in Austin, Texas. Um, you're going to be going to Hong Kong. Motley Fool Asset Management, in their infinite wisdom, have said, you know what? Let's send this guy out to do some research, and we'll send him to Hong Kong. When is this taking place? Uh, this is in May, I believe, is the uh, CFA annual conference, So, which is going to be in Hong Kong this year. And um, Do you go every year? No, no. Uh, but I, I can combine it with another uh, conference that is worth going to in Singapore, which is just down the street from Hong Kong. I don't know. I, there, I, there might be some water there. Yeah. Well, but I'll be close okay. and and uh, <laughs> close-ish. Uh, I'm also trying to line something up in uh, Shanghai and Tokyo while I'm there to get some work done there. Uh, but yeah, if anybody's out there, uh, CFA world, and is going to be hitting the Hong Kong conference, that'd be, it'd be great to meet up because uh, I don't, you know, I don't know everybody there yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but CFA is going to Hong Kong. You can also drop an email to marketfoolery@fool.com, and we'll uh, we'll forward them. We're anywhere. The we got the new uh, Hong Kong office. Yes. Yeah. Full Hong Kong. Full Hong Kong. Are you going to stop by there? Why not? I, I, I don't know how busy your agenda is. Uh, it's not so busy that I can't stop by Full Hong Kong. Well, that's good. Or, and Full Singapore. I know. I mean, uh, I I should right. It's absolutely uh, worthwhile. Absolutely. You should do a couple shows out there. I don't know that we have the budget for that. <laughs> he has a budget to go to Austin. Yeah, Austin's a hell of you know a lot what? closer than you know Hong what? Kong and Singapore. Yeah, but it's not necessarily more expensive to get to. It is. It is absolutely more expensive no, to go it just to Hong Kong. Depends on getting the right ticket. I went to. How? What's your ticket? Do you know? We're not. No, you don't even. You don't even bother to check. <laughs> I farm that out to the engine. flying business. The non- <laughs> business class. No, <laughs> I am not flying business class. I flew to Dubai a couple of months ago for six fifty. Uh, I'm flying, and that was not business. I'll, I'll guarantee you that. I'm flying to Austin, Texas, for less than that. Well, that's. Uh, but I bet you know if you really work it, you can you can get out to Hong Kong you know for, it's for less d- than eight. It's a damn good thing that you're a CFA and that you work in the mutual fund industry and not in the travel industry because Bill Barker Travel Agency is going out of business. I'm in selling a you an affordable uh, affordable time to because your devoted fans in Hong Kong who would make the trip worth it right there. Well, let's let's see how Austin goes. And then then we'll see if we can. About how many people meet up with you in Austin? You've done uh, this before, Dan. We did this last year, and I think we I think we had maybe t- what like ten or so people, uh, ten or so listeners showed up in Austin. Do I have that about right? Yeah, uh, ten or fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, and it was myself, Dan, uh, Dylan Lewis from Industry Focus was there. Simon Erickson was there last year, and actually, I think Simon's going to be there again this year. 
So uh, there are only dozens of listeners. I mean, so like a good chunk of them were there. Well, yes, but uh, a couple That's of one dozen out of. Dozens, dozens. But a couple of them brought friends and sort of like plus ones, that kind of thing. And it was like, hey, uh, I'm going to meet up with this, uh, some people from this podcast I listen to, and I'm sure their friends are like, uh, I'm not interested. And then probably the follow up was, oh, but it's at this uh, taco bar that sells uh, food and alcohol. And then their friends were like, oh, okay, I'll be uh, I'll be up for that. Yeah. Will you be like uh, handing out any of the uh, world famous podcast uh, shop materials? Uh, raffling anything off? Uh, I don't. I don't know that we're going to be raffling stuff off. Come on, bring one thing for one lucky listener. Uh, won't that make the other two listeners who show up there like a little bitter? Well, it'll be. It's a competition of some sort. <laughs> like whoever has the most vowels in their last name wins. Something like that. Something that's not. You know, you're not really choosing. You're just randomly rewarding. Dan, you want to jump in on this? A coffee mug for that. Why are you making this so complicated? Because Bill's one of Bill's favorite moves is to create contests I, and, and promise prizes. I tell you what, that he has nothing to do with. I will. I will give you an MFAM T-shirt to bring out there, and you can do whatever you want with it. You can wear it, or you can hand it out to a lucky or unlucky listener. I'll give you some swag. Molly Full Asset Manager. You know what? I think we may have some chapstick too. Some MFAM chapstick. We have some weird tchotchkes from our, uh, you know, going to convention days. If things you, you throw out on the table. Um, if I go to FoolFunds.com, will I find these T-shirts and chapstick branded chapstick no. available? It's no, no, limited it's, edition. You can't, you can't buy this stuff. Now I'm interested. You can't buy that. Come on down. Denise will help us out. All right. You can go to FoolFunds.com and sign up for declarations, though. It is the free monthly newsletter. That you can get from Bill Barker and Brian Hinman and the entire crew at Motley Fool Asset Management. Uh, it's great stuff, and it's free, and it's once a month. By the way, it's once a month. That's one of the things I like about declarations. You're not spamming me every day with like, "Here's what we think about the market today." No, it's it's quality stuff. So I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Remember, Joe Mager on Motley Fool Money this weekend. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.